An interesting point that came up in episode 29 with Andrea Gadsby was that there are different kinds of burnout. And as a business owner, it's not fun, but there is a sense of comfort knowing that you're doing things on your terms. You're exhausted because you've been working on something you want. And since you're in control, you can also change it. Now, like many people, I do experience bouts of exhaustion. And in this episode, I'm going to share some ways I avoid it or tackle it when I experience it. Now, this episode is inspired by one of my Facebook group members. You know who you are, so thank you for raising it as a topic that's worth talking about. And I'm going to explore what you can do, why burnout isn't always a bad thing, and I'll be ending on some actions that you can take right now to make things better. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. I think a huge part of burnout is our mindset and all the pressure we put on ourselves as business owners. And many of the thoughts that cross our minds have the word should in them. We feel like we should be growing our business. We feel like we should be marketing more. We should be tightening our processes and systems. We should move into a group model instead of supporting people one-to-one. We should have scalable and passive income streams. And sometimes these should statements clutter our minds, which are already filled with things that we need to be doing. So one of the things I do is to accept that while I should or want to do something, as urgent as it might feel, If it isn't critical, then it can wait, or I can just give myself more time to do it. For instance, quite a few people have asked me to create some self-study courses, and while I've mapped them out, I haven't yet had the time to properly flesh out the content and record them. Now, this feels uncomfortable because I want to launch these courses, and I know that I have people waiting for them. What if they lose interest? What if they take a different course with someone else instead while they're waiting? And these feelings of possibly missing the boat can easily put pressure on me. But I've learned to reframe that. Those scenarios of losing the people who have expressed interest may well become a reality. But whenever that time is that I'm ready to launch, I know that there'll be plenty more people who are interested. Ultimately, I can't burn out in the process of creating the courses because I'm driven by fear. Because if I do, it will affect the work I do with my current clients and that just isn't an option. So giving yourself space and removing that fear of missing out is a hard but useful way to avoid burnout or to reverse if you think you're heading that way. Usually there are more things that can wait than we realise. Another thing that I've done, and it's taken a while, is I have a very specific way of working and I have strong boundaries around my time. In terms of how I work, I have one place that has my daily schedule, I have somewhere to write my to-do list, and I have places where I dump ideas so that they aren't in my mind anymore. And something I do with my to-do list is every week I look at my calendar and I put key tasks in as if they are events that I am committing to. 
Now I use Google Calendar for this and it helps me to visually see what my days are looking like to make sure that I don't overload any of them. So for instance, one of the tasks that's a weekly repeating event is to record an episode for this podcast. I set it for a Monday, but here's the thing that stops me from getting overwhelmed. I know that I can move that event around in my calendar according to how my week shapes up when I'm in it. So if Monday has been and gone and I haven't recorded it yet, that's fine. I just move it to a different day. I know I'll get it done that week, but I'm happy to keep moving it so that I don't feel like I'm running behind on any given day. I also have things that I want to do in my pen and paper diary, but I treat this as more of a fluid to-do list rather than committing to doing anything on a specific day. Sometimes they do have deadlines. So when I look at my diary right now, I know I need to change some of my tuition invoices. It doesn't really matter when I do it as long as it's done by the end of the week. So different things work for different people, but having your own system to manage your schedule and to-do list is really important. Find a system that works for you. And the reason it's important is because it eases the pressure in our minds to have to remember to do something important because we've recorded it somewhere that we refer to every day. So we know that we won't forget to do this thing. Something I read in the book Atomic Habits is this concept of how it helps to give everything a home, so to speak. Here's a really simple example. You could commit to only checking your work emails on your computer and not your phone. That way, you're placing a strong boundary around the time you spend replying or being in work mode. You could commit to only checking social media on your phone and not your computer. One way I apply this concept is I have set up my phone to go into do not disturb mode at specific times of day. Or if I want to focus on something like right now, I'm recording this podcast, I manually set it to do not disturb. I've set it up so that the only thing that comes through are phone calls and messages from my immediate family. At night, my phone is on loud with do not disturb on. So I hear if there's an emergency. But if I'm focusing on something, I just put my phone on silent so that when I choose to look at it, I only see notifications that I have selected to see. So doing small things to protect your time and your focus is a great way to avoid the trap of starting lots of things and leaving them unfinished or for committing to completing tasks without getting distracted. Now, I just want to take a moment to return to that concept that I touched on earlier about the difference between urgency and criticality. We often feel that things are urgent, but when we properly think about it, we often realise that it might need to be done, but it isn't critical. And there is a difference between the two. I need to urgently do my accounts in preparation for January, but I have time, so it isn't critical right now. I do have a deadline that I have to consider, which is what adds the urgency to it. So it's really useful to list all the things you need to do and identify which ones are urgent, which ones can wait, and which ones are critical. Another way to look at it is some things are must-haves and some things are nice-to-haves. And I time block and batch create as much as possible. So for instance, I dedicate a specific amount of time fortnightly to creating social media content. But when I sit down to do it, that's all I focus on and I make sure that I've scheduled my content well in advance. That means that if I'm having a really busy week and it's one of the weeks where I'm meant to be creating content, I'm not actually under pressure to do it because I've got myself covered. 
And this stops that feeling of being on a treadmill where you have to keep doing something, let's say every day, otherwise you'll fall behind. And because clients have access to my diary when they're booking mentoring calls or discovery calls, I actually mark that time as busy so that it doesn't end up being pushed out by something else. Now, three really big things that have helped me avoid being regularly exhausted or burnt out are, number one is I've streamlined all the processes in my business and I regularly try and find new ways to make them even more efficient. The second thing is I invest in automation and a virtual assistant, so most of the heavy lifting for admin tasks are taken care of. And the third thing is I've reduced the days that I take on clients. I've moved from a five-day working week that did sometimes spill into the weekend to a three-day working week, which gives me some extra days to work on my business or to relax. I'll talk about these so that you can get some ideas of how it might help you ease some pressure, avoid burnout, and actually make more money in your business. Now, apart from streamlining processes, automation and my virtual assistant does cost money, but I'm really happy to spend that money because it frees up time, which means that I'm better positioned to work on my business in ways that will help it develop. If I didn't spend that money on systems and my VA, then I'd actually end up earning less. It's a cliche, but you really do need to spend money to make money. Something I wished I had spent money on a lot earlier in my business is support. If I had had a coach or a business mentor, I know that I could have avoided wasting time trying to work things out on my own, which it can be a huge time drain. And instead, I could have fast-tracked my progress in a far less stressful way. That has been a huge lesson learnt for me and I'm always in admiration for my clients who aren't that experienced in running a business but they have the foresight to invest in support really early on. Now let's talk about streamlining so that you aren't working harder than you need to. I'd be here all day if I talked about all the little ways that I've made things more efficient so instead I'll share the ones that have had the biggest impact. One thing I did a while back, and I used Trello for this, is I listed all the tasks that are needed to make my business operate, and I included things that I want to be doing that I just currently don't have time for. I then colour-coded the tasks and labelled them according to what absolutely needed me, what could be automated, what could be eliminated if I streamlined, and what could be or is delegated. This helped me and continues to help me examine how I can make running my business more streamlined. For instance, I'm creating a course for my tuition students and because it's focused on English, I figured I needed to be the one creating the content. But when I broke down all the individual tasks that are involved, I realised that if I created some manuals, I could actually delegate certain tasks to my VA who isn't a teacher or an English specialist. And I could take on more people for the project as well. And that realisation was such a huge relief. And it fast tracks how quickly I can create the course and take it to market. Now, this activity of listing all the tasks that are involved in my business, which took me about half a day, also helped me realise that I could automate things even further to reduce my workload. So, for example, I already had automation set up so that when someone joined my waiting list for the Tutors Mastermind by me clicking a button in my CRM, I use HubSpot for that by the way, they would automatically be sent the invitation link to join. 
But the result of some of my discovery calls was that they wanted to join, but they would only be able to in, say, a couple of months' time. Now, what I was doing was I was manually setting myself a reminder to check in with them closer to that time. What I realised was that I could automate that. I could set the reminder in my CRM that would trigger that check-in email to be sent automatically. It's a small thing, but those small things end up snowballing into saving you lots of time. And it's not just time, it's the pressure we feel when our minds are full. Automation helps me relieve that pressure. If you want some ideas on streamlining and automation where I share systems to suit a range of budgets, some of them are even free, take a listen to episode six of this podcast. Now, moving on to how I reduce the days that I work without compromising how much I earn. When I started tutoring, I made myself available five days a week. Having learned from making this mistake when I was a teacher, I didn't take clients on weekends from day one. Now, before I knew it, I was teaching five days a week. But the first step in transitioning to a three-day week was I looked at my schedule and thought about how I could make it more efficient. See, I had gaps in between students, and sometimes those gaps were really odd lengths, like 20 minutes. So what I did was I started teaching back-to-back, with the occasional five-minute break in between lessons. This exercise alone saved me about half a day to start with, but then as time went on, I was able to keep all my students and release almost a full day. Then I increased my prices, which I do periodically, but my first couple of increases were quite significant. And this allowed me to take on fewer clients without compromising my earnings. And this tangibly helped me to move from a five-day working week to a four-day week to eventually a a three-and-a-half-day working week. The next thing I did was I created mini-groups for students who I knew were compatible and would really benefit from that peer learning environment. I also had a larger group, which I ran for about two years and have only just recently stopped. Now, this helped me not only reduce to a solid three-day working week, but it also helped me earn more than what I was earning when I was working five days. And I was able to do it in a way where I wasn't compromising on the quality of support that my students were receiving. And it slots in nicely with the Tutors Mastermind and the one-to-one mentoring I do with education business owners, because I mostly teach students after school, which gives me plenty of time during the day. And since I have two clear days in the week where I'm not committed to any clients, I often open up my Thursdays for people to book calls with me. But it's very much in my control. If I want to focus on something else or if I want to make social plans, I just block those days out. So that's a very honest and specific way that I made my working week shorter. And if you aren't a tutor or the options that I mentioned aren't really ones you want to go for, the important thing is that you extract the principles. And I'm going to help you do that very shortly as I'll be ending this episode with some clear action points to help you make running your business less exhausting. But before I do, I want to say something that might be a little controversial, but just hear me out. When we think of the word burnout or think of being really exhausted because of work, we see it as a really negative thing, but it doesn't have to be. If I told you that while I was on holiday in Croatia last week, I did a little work, you'd probably think that that was quite unhealthy. I should have been taking a break. But here's the thing. I used to be hard on myself for what I deemed as overworking, because when I was a teacher, This is what led me to burnout, which affected my physical and mental health. 
But as the years have passed away from teaching and with me running my businesses, I've realized, acknowledged and embraced something about myself. And that is, I like working. I enjoy working on my business. I don't love everything, but there are things that excite me. For instance, I really like creating content. I don't find it stressful or heavy. So while I was on holiday, I recorded some voice notes for content ideas and I even scheduled some social media posts because the ideas popped into my mind. And that was okay for me. I was still able to switch off when I needed to and I was able to think about my business when I wanted to. Now, some people might feel like they need the complete break. One of my clients recently went away and she didn't even take her phone with her because she felt that she needed a complete technology and work break. So the point here is to try and identify what actually leads you to exhaustion or overwhelm or burnout and recognize what that feels like instead of using checkpoints to label it as burnout or exhaustion. For instance, I could say, I have so much work to do. I'm so overwhelmed that I even worked while I was on holiday. But when I think about it, I didn't need to work when I was on holiday. And I know that because of the earlier exercise I talked about, where you identify what's urgent, what's not urgent and what's critical. Instead, I chose to work while I was on holiday, which is completely different. But also when it comes to things like burnout, I think it has negative connotations because we assume, perhaps from past experience, that we're on a slippery slope downwards. And if we don't intervene, then it's only going to get worse. But when you run a business, sometimes you have to prepare for exhaustion and that's not a bad thing. For example, you might have a project that you want to complete and you know that you'll be burnt out after it, but you also know that it's temporary. And that's a really key concept that Andrew pointed out in episode 29. When I spoke to her, she was burnt out, but she felt good about it because she had spent that time and energy working on what she wanted to and what she had chosen to work on. And now that that's done, she had holidays scheduled so that she could recover and come back to work nice and fresh. Now it's action time. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do to take steps towards working more efficiently and avoiding continuous exhaustion. And if you're on the move while you're listening right now, save or download this episode so that you can listen to these actions and actually implement them. Step one is to have your schedule and to-do list in front of you. The way I'm differentiating between your schedule and to-do list is your schedule is filled with the commitments that you need to honour, like client meetings. Your to-do list is filled with all the things you need or want to do that's outside of scheduled commitments with other people. Step two is to examine your to-do list. Identify what's urgent and critical. It absolutely must be done and you don't have long to do it. Identify what's urgent but isn't critical. For instance, you might want to automate something, but you can carry on as you are for now and revisit it when you have time. Or you might have a deadline to do something, but that deadline isn't anytime soon. And finally, identify what isn't urgent or critical. It's a nice to have, something that will make things better, but without it, your business can still operate and thrive. Step three is to use all of that information to decide on how you're going to organize your time to prioritize the urgent and critical tasks. I put it in my schedule. I use Google Calendar for this and I block that time out and I commit to it like I would if I had a session with a paid client. 
Then think about where you might record the urgent but non-critical tasks. I also put these into my calendar, but I move them around. I don't actually mark my time as busy and I colour code everything so that I know what's what. Finally, find somewhere to dump all of those non-urgent and non-critical tasks, those nice-to-haves. Know that they're waiting for you to look at whenever you're ready. You won't forget about them, but they won't be something that's adding pressure. An optional final step, which is quite a big one, is if you're ready, take the time to examine how you're working to see whether you can automate or hire someone into your business. Consider how you can use that to reduce the length of your working week. And remember that this doesn't need to be an overnight fix. In fact, it's quite hard to just change everything overnight. I transitioned from a five-day week to a three-day one over the course of a couple of years. And it's going to take me a further year or two to reduce my client days to two days eventually. And remember that as a business owner, exhaustion or burnout isn't always a terrible or unhealthy thing as long as you're working on your terms and you know that that feeling will be temporary and you've made room to recover afterwards. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas you can tailor to your education business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes or visit www.upgradeyoureducationbusiness.com.